0: Broncos all-decade tackle Orlando Franklin, two-time All-Pro linebacker Chad Brown, former Broncos tight end and yeah, New York Times God. best-selling author Nate Jackson. 104.3 The fan welcomes you into the Players Club.
1: Yeah, is it? Are you hiding? Do us. Yeah. So we are coming with a force. Yeah. Blessings we are reap and we're cursing on food. What we got here? we're both. Oh. Yeah we, yeah, we
0: give thanks when we need it most yeah, We have to give thanks when we need are supposed to be mm-hmm. thankful
1: Give thanks What? Blessings far like from my right my my you journey, listen journey, times, the right hand gotta listen to feel a journey Can we send you the link? Yeah, could you? Gratitude is time. a must
2: Yeah Blessings yeah. <laughs> far <laughs> from the right hand Love
1: it
0: But I talk to a Let the coffee
2: This is your idea. This reggae. What are we doing? Reggae week? Reggae week,
1: man. Even in the training camp? Yeah, man. It's the last week of vacation, right? Yes, sir. You got to enjoy. You got to soak it up. All right. uh, I'm looking at the Denver Broncos defense for last year, 2022. Ezra, everyone was in command of that defense, and they had a pretty good defense. They actually were seventh in the league in yards given up per game. 320. First in the league was the Niners at 300. The Eagles were second at 300. Um, 301. And so the Broncos were pretty close to the top there. Points per game, though, they gave up 21.1 points per game. That was about, well, about in the middle of the pack. It was about 12th. And so they definitely had some opportunities late in the game to put their foot on the, the throat of the opponent and weren't able to do it. Justin Simmons talked recently about the Baltimore game being specifically a letdown for them. You know, J- Lamar Jackson wasn't even playing in that game, but to reset this conversation about how defense and offense are related on the same team. Chad, you believe that some of these numbers that the defense of the Broncos were able to put up was because of the ineptitude of the Broncos offense.
0: Yes. The opponent, the, uh, the opponents didn't feel like they had to risk things offensively to score points against this. Broncos defense, uh, and they didn't have to score that many points because they knew the Broncos offense wouldn't score that many points. When your opponent's averaging less than 17 points a game, you don't ask your inexperienced quarterback to go back and do things that could potentially put your offense in a bad spot. And for the most part, offensive coordinators did not. Once they got to a certain point, they knew they prob- they most likely had the game won, and they, they weren't pressing the, the the gas. They weren't putting the pedal to the metal at all, and that effectively allow the Broncos defense to look statistically better than it actually was because there we all can remember key and crucial moments in ball games last year particularly the rare instances where the Broncos offense gave the defense a lead late in the ball game and the defense was unable to hold up
1: there still must have been a respect for the, that defense though to to pull it to dial it back and not take chances on it because what i'm thinking is if i'm an offense and i and i believe in my offense and this defense I don't respect them. Of course, I'm trying to score 50 on them. I'm not worried that they're going to make a play on me. I'm, I know that I'm going to roll over them. And every offensive coach I've ever met wants to put up 50. Every quarterback wants to put up 50. Every skill position player wants to score touchdowns. And so there must have been a healthy respect for this defense to to call off the dogs like that because you're afraid that a mistake is going to get capitalized on.
0: Yes, you put the ball up in the air enough with Justin Simmons playing free safety. At some point, he's going to come down with one. He was tied for the league lead in interception. So if you're going to, if you're the, the Jets, and you're, you're going to ask Zach Wilson to throw the ball continually against his Broncos defense, at some point, Zach Wilson's going to make a mistake. Robert Sala knew that. That's why they were happy to squeak out a win 16-9. to So that's why those kind of scores were pop, because, yes, there is enough talent on the Broncos defense where if you test Patrick Sertan, you test Justin Simmons, and you have a quarterback who's not accurate, who's not on time, Bad things can happen. So let's not risk that if I'm Robert Sala or if I'm the Colts or any of these other close games the Broncos played during the year last year, uh, where the opposing team decided let's just turn it down a bit and get out of here with a win.
1: Well, we saw the Broncos early in the season put a lot of pressure on the opposing quarterback, and we saw Randy Gregory be, um, you know, <sighs> to me, a-, a very disruptive player in there when he was healthy. But he got banged up. Bradley Chubb got traded. And in the, in the last nine games, they only had 12 sacks. They had 36 sacks all season. So you can do the math. Um, the first eight games. T- wow. 24 sacks. And then the last nine, only 12. And that has, that is something that Sean Payton and Vance Joseph are going to have to figure out, especially with some injuries and some, some sort of question marks at that group. Now, a little earlier, we picked our edge rusher MVPs and we're going to reset that conversation because there's more to it. Um, but I think that Randy Gregory is finally going to play a, well as close to a full season as he ever has. He's going to earn that money. I think he's the most talented player on that team, or I'm sorry, his most talented player at that position. He's clearly getting the most money, and I think he's going to be in double digit sacks this year. Um, aside from you know his availability, which is a huge question mark, tell me why that won't happen for Randy Gregory. I think Randy Gregory's talent speaks for itself. That's why he was given this
0: contract despite his, you know, spotty availability. But you can't discuss Randy Gregory without discussing the availability. 97 possible games that he could have played in. And that's not including the 2017 and 2019 seasons where he missed the entire season for both those years. So 97 games possible. He's played in 56. He's only started 15 games. The guy's got 18 career sacks uh less than a 100 career tackles. I had 6 seasons alone where I had more than 100 career, 100 tackles in a season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ballin! So, so I'm just simply saying a There's no Chad Brown, right? No, man, no Chad Brown. The availability is a major factor with this guy. The production when he's on the field is there, uh but for the most part he's not available enough for me to feel comfortable saying he's going to be my MVP of this group. I gotta go with Baron Browning because I'm not happy with the backups either.
1: There so you think th- a guy who's projected to come back mid season is going to be the position MVP?
0: Uh, yeah, because I don't believe in Randy Gregory's availability. There's nothing in his track record that says I should believe
1: in that. So if you're a coach, how do you how do you deal with that lack of availability? What's the program or the pitch count or the way that you play Randy in order to try to maximize his day in day out potential? That is a
0: tremendous question. I would have to literally look back at all his career games and figure out what, how his injuries happened. Uh, then you got to sit down with the strength and conditioning staff. And what can we do to make this guy's shoulders or chest or whatever stronger? How do we do this? And then, yes, it's odd to have a defensive player on a specific pitch count, who a guy who's healthy this year. But I think that will be a factor as well. How do we limit this guy's exposure out there? Because he has, a, again, a track record of not being available enough and we gotta maximize what he brings this year. I think you gotta trust your process. Whoever you are, whatever
2: coach you are. Like yeah, you approach Randy Gregory with caution, but at the same time, you got to trust your process. So, if Sean Payton is a guy that likes to get after it, right? And hey, you know what? The first couple weeks of training camp, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get after it, we're gonna bang, but we're not gonna do full live field tackling drills. But maybe that last couple of weeks, maybe he wants to do one a day or something like that. Where now you look at a guy like Randy Gregory, you still put him through it but you ease off a little bit by understanding the the guy's body type. And maybe it's more of a ramp-up course with Randy Gregory where you're not throwing him out there week one and saying you're going to go play 90% of the snaps because your body hasn't held up. So maybe week one there is a little bit more of a rotation and you're continuing to callous up your body and and make sure that you're, you're... constantly straining, but your body is handling some of these pressures. Football is 100% injury. Randy Gregory is a violent player, Um, but you have to be able to not reinvent in the real if you're a coach, but really, like, kind of double down on your process and modify for each and every individual. A thing that John Fox would do my rookie year, I remember we did a full speed live drill every day. Every day we would go, hey, this period, full speed live, we're going to the ground. I loved it because I was struggling in the passing game. But now if I could really show what I could do in the run game, you know, it gave me an opportunity to start building my confidence. With a guy like Randy Gregory that has been injured, you got to throw out those days where, hey, full speed live. Right, where now Randy Gregory could go out there, be violent, and then, yeah, I'm sore, and yeah, it doesn't feel the best, but I got through the day, right? And then the next day shows up, and it's the exact same thing. You're going to grind this thing out. So I think you've got to always trust your process no matter what and kind of not go in a completely different direction.
1: Yeah, we saw what happened when you try to play, do a patty cake training camp and no preseason. Would you play Randy Gregory in the preseason? Yes,
2: yes, um, but I'm not sitting there... You know, I'm not sitting, preseason, I don't even know how they're doing it yet, right? There's three games now. Before, back in the day, we were like, hey, you go out there in preseason one, you get a good drive going offensively, you're done for that night. Uh, preseason two, you're going to play the first quarter and the, the first uh, series in the second quarter. Preseason three, you get to play the first half and the first series in the third half. And then in preseason four, the starters are not playing. So uh, it's completely different now. But I do want Randy Gregory to get some work. I want everybody to get some work because you only play football playing football. You talked earlier about Russell Wilson and Jay keeps simulating these drills where he's spinning out. Well, this is where Russell Wilson gets to spin out in preseason games because he's actually live now. And if he doesn't spin out, somebody's going to tackle him.
1: Last year, Nathaniel Hackett said that the reason why he didn't play starters or anybody, yeah, starters in the preseason was because, who was it? It was an injury when his dad was coaching. It was it was a quarterback. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. What was his name? Penny Penny Chad Pennington. Yes. Chad Pennington got hurt in preseason. And so it's not worth it. I already can see this thing shaping out. Someone is going to get hurt in preseason, guys, because sometimes guys get hurt when they play football. And then it's going to be questioning Sean Payton as to whether or not they should have played in the preseason. Uh I want to make it clear where I stand on this. But Abs- doesn't but doesn't
2: matter though. Last year Camp Cupcake, we had um Tim Patrick and um, Damari
1: Crockett, right? Yeah. Yeah. ACLs, and then, you know, they came out and looked really bad in in the beginning of the season. Then the season was over before they, you know, after, but by September. Nathaniel Hackett wanted to be playing meaningful games in December and January, and he obfuscated September for some reason. He said, nah, not important. We need to be healthy in the back end. It doesn't matter if you're healthy in the back end of the season if you lose your games on the front end. <laughs> yeah. And they weren't even healthy on the back end. Yeah. So that was a monumental failure. Sean Payton has a different system, thank God. And he's going to implement it. You know what you're going to implement, Chad? I'm going to go off the go. edge, right? We're coming off the edge. Boom, boom, boom. That's next. <laughs> time for things to get a little edgy in the Players Club. Blake is brought down. Is that Chad Brown? Yes, Chad Brown. Chad Brown. Four and a half stacks today. Here's Chad Brown coming off the edge.
0: Fellas, it's hard to feel sorry for guys who make millions of dollars. But I got to say, man, I am feeling sorry for NFL running backs. Right now, uh, the contract situation that they have find themselves in, the way that the league has devalued that position, uh, we've seen it now play out with Josh Jacobs and Saquon Barkley not signing their franchise tenders, they're expected to hold out through training camp. Tony Pollard did sign his with the Cowboys for the 2023 season, but the... The franchise tender to essentially limit the free agent avail- free agent availability of these guys to cap their salary at a number that's quite low. It's uh, it's a shame as we've seen why receiver salaries not just you know rate rise but rise to a level that's doesn't even seem to fit with their value for a football team. We have receivers making over thirty million bucks, and those are such dependent positions versus the running back position where you literally are the, the the face of physicality for your football team. The amount of contact that you take, the amount of injuries you're going to suffer, the longevity of your career is not reflected by the salaries of NFL running backs. The last NFL running back who signed a deal worth more than $10, $10 million a year was Nick Chubb back in 2021. Um, Derrick Henry, who most folks would acknowledge is the best running back in the league. The Titans... We're entertaining trade talks on him, trying to get rid of him. Uh, this is probably the last year where he'll play under his current deal, which I think pays him $12 million plus. plus. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, you got to wonder how long he'll make big money out there in San Francisco. Um, it's a weird thing with running backs. Jonathan Taylor put out a, a tweet yesterday, great running back with Indianapolis Colts. If you're good enough, they'll find you. If you work hard enough, you'll succeed. If you succeed, you'll b- boost the organization. And then... Doesn't matter because you're a running back. Yeah. And it's just, it's a damn shame. I, I want to see these guys, their value or their career longevity or their amount of pounding they take somehow reflected in the salaries. And unfortunately, that's just not the case. Should the NFL PA step in and demand some kind of salary adjustment for this position, which has been so undervalued considering the amount of physical pain they're going to suffer for the rest of their lives?
1: Absolutely, take it away from the quarterback who's overvalued and overpaid. I knew you would say that, and it's I the actually truth. agree with you. Um, it's
2: the absolute truth. So first of all, I agree with all, all of what you guys are saying, but when you look at the running back position, you look at every other position in the NFL. Chad, you played how many years in the league? Fifteen. Fifteen. I got seven. I could have continued to play, right? Nate, how many did you get? Six. And could you have continued to play at that time? Yep. No? no,
1: Nope. The answer's no. no, I was trying to. You were trying
2: to. But, like, you don't think you you could have got your, physically you could have got your body up
1: and go? I was, my body was falling apart.
2: Okay, well, the running back position is, for me, I'd argue that that position, when the body goes, it goes. Mm, Right? (laughs) We've seen Todd Gurley, how he was a dominant player in the league the following year, you're done. We've seen it with Ezekiel Elliott. Dominant player, dominant player. All of a sudden, you know, the injuries start happening, and then you're you are done, right? Marlon Mack. One at one point, Marlon Mack was Mister Indianapolis, and then was like, "See ya later," right? So running backs, unfortunately, come a dime a dozen. But also, when you look at that position, when the body goes, it goes the fastest. That's the position where you're constantly on the defense, right? And when you're running through, it's a reactive position, and when somebody lines you up good. It could be night night time and now all of a sudden you're you're timid. You're tiptoeing through that hole. So I get what you're saying, Chad, and it the devalue of the whole entire thing. But do you believe that it's is because, you know, when you look at how rapid these guys' bodies decline, that that's why, you know, these agents or these GMs and owners are reluctant to give these running backs these deals because it is falling into this pattern. Draft a running back. If he's any good, okay, keep him. Okay. Then, you know, if he's really good, franchise tag him. And then after you franchise tag him, you draft another running back, right? Yeah. So you can move on from him, right? You never really pay that guy because of the fear, maybe, or how many touches that guy sees a year from coming out of the backfield.
0: Yeah, so I think the contract structure would have to be rethought for the running back position. It can't be, let's get you through your rookie deal, and then you get your maybe your one or two uh, additional contracts after that. Somehow in that first four or five years, the running back salary has got to be accelerated. Because to your point, once you get a certain number of touches, it's pretty well proven. A, there's a there's a threshold. I'm not exactly sure what that number is, 1,000 or 1,200 touches and then after that, running backs, 99% of them begin to decline. There's only so much pounding a body can take. And so to give a running back a long-term deal like Ezekiel Elliott got in Dallas, yeah. then the Cowboys found themselves, you know, on the wrong end of that. Here's yeah. a guy with declining production, but he's still getting paid at the tops of the salary rankings for the running backs. Maybe there's a way the PA can shift some of that money to the rookie deal for the running back position and that position only because of the short shelf life of those guys. Player performance,
2: right? <laughs> you know, I remember my rookie year when – the listeners out there, they got this thing called player performance, and it's essentially based on you know where you're drafted in the NFL. There's a pool of money that's out there, and if you're, like, you're a first round pick, you might only get like 50 bucks a snap, but uh, I was a second round pick, and I remember I was getting like 150 dollars a snap on top of my salary. So this check comes in the offseason after your snaps are totaled up, but it's de- divvied up this pool of money between like everybody on the football team, right? A guy like Russell Wilson is going to get virtually nothing out of that. So do you look at, you know, the NFL and the NFLPA and should they renegotiate a deal where a lot more player performance goes into it, but specifically for that running back room where now they're able to kind of get their money up front if they are having that
0: production? That'd be one way to do it, but that would take money from other players to give it to the running backs as opposed to the, the the maybe we can carve out a, a tiny little a salary cap for each position a salary cap a slice of the salary cap additionally for the running back position again it's gotta be something where we're not taking it from everybody else other than the quarterbacks cuz they make tons of it um and, and, and giving it to the running backs it's a special allotment specifically for this position because they're incredibly short shelf life and because of how they are used up they are literally used up, every player who plays in the NFL at some point gets used up. But the running back position purposely is used up by teams with no regard to their long term health, or no regard to their financial future for them or their families.
1: Mm. Three and a half years of average career in the NFL. The running backs are the shortest of that. Um. Let them, giving
2: them, what about, can you give them the ability to opt out the running back position? Because this is a fascinating conversation. You know, did you change the structure of their contracts where now they have the ability to, we just watched Bruce Brown, right? Hey, we just won a championship. See you later. And they just, just got paid, right? So you give them that option of opting out of that last year of the con, like, how do you really fix this?
0: Right. Well, opting out doesn't help you because then you opt out and then no one's going to pay you. You know what I mean? They're still going to see you as a guy with 1,000 or getting close to the 1,000 carry threshold, which means you'll be on a decline. So you're not going to get big money.
1: And yet, the track record that your father-in-law has of, of turning quote-unquote anonymous running backs into 1,000-yard rushers in the Shanahan system and the wide zone scheme, it creates this illusion that you can plug anybody in there and they'll get you 1,000 yards. Yeah. That it's the system and not the guy. And um, that's incorrect. These guys are incredibly skilled. The most important sacred, precious object on a football field is the football itself. The running back is in charge of that thing. He's got to hold that thing and try to advance it into enemy territory. And when you do that, you got 11 dudes like Chad trying to hurt you. Mm -hmm. Your career is going to be short. The more you're running with that football into enemy territory, the bigger of a pounding you're going to get, but also the more valuable you are for your team. Mm -hmm. So guys who touch the football um, (laughs) should be coveted here, and running backs are not. This was all on the heels of this, a tweet by an NFL draft scout Or at least he calls himself At NFL draft scout It said one Draft a running back To play the running back If he's good Three Franchise the running back One time And then Draft a new running back mm-hmm. And that got some, uh, some Baller running backs In the NFL talking Including Jonathan Taylor Derek Henry And Austin Eckler um, and I think there's some more meat on this bone. We might get into this later as the show goes on because it's a fascinating discussion about football, about who is valued, and about who's rewarded for that actual value. But next, coming up on the Players Club, we got Andrew Mason going to join us on the Johnson Auto Plaza Hotline. Andrew Mason, next. <laughs>
0: Denver Sports Station 104.3 The Band presents The Players Club with Orlando Franklin, Chad Brown, and Nate Jackson. All right,
1: we're jamming. I want to jam it with you. I want to jam it with you, and I want to jam it with Andrew Mason. Andrew Mason, senior Broncos writer. DenverSports.com joins us. On the Johnson Auto Plaza hotline, Andrew Mason, before we get into uh, the Broncos and what to expect this training camp, if you were on vacation, which you might well be now, kind of soaking up the sun, and maybe you've got like a Mai Tai or some sort of tropical drink in one hand, and maybe there's a beach, maybe there's an ocean, maybe there's uh, some waves breaking, what kind of music do you like to listen to to get yourself in the vibe, Andrew Mason? Oh, that's a good question.
3: Um... I'd say Bob Marley, you know, coming out from the break, that's that that would be right up there. Although I think in that case the beach has got to be tropical. You got to have some palm trees, right? I don't think yeah. you can. I don't think you can get that. Nantucket vibe. or something. Yeah, that's a that's a little bit different. So oh,
1: Bob
2: Marley in Montana. Yeah. No. <laughs>
3: hey, there's never a bad place to listen to Bob Marley. That's true, but it, but if you're trying to get the vibe, I, mean, I think. You got to if you're going down the East Coast, you got to at least get to where there are palmettos on the shore, right? So you probably got to get at least as far south as like South Carolina or something.
1: What's like East Coast beach
3: music? Well, it's funny because there's like there is actually a subgenre of music that is called beach music that uh, came from out of the Carolinas back in the '50s and '60s, believe it or not.
1: Interesting. Are there any bands that you can recollect from that
3: era? I would have to. The Beach actually, Boys. The, no, they're not. From- no, no, no. That's like that. That would be like a, that would be like a surf music, right? Right, like, right. right. Uh, from California. That that would be a little bit uh, a, a little a little bit different. Um, you know what? The, the person I would have to ask is my dad, he, who grew up in North Carolina at the time. I think he'd be kind of the expert on that one.
1: All right. Well, we'll defer to. Uh, Mason Senior and we'll talk to you about Broncos because we're on the doorstep of training camp starting and well before we get into the specifics of the Broncos we were having a conversation about the running backs their value and the perception by some of the best running backs in this league that they are underpaid and undervalued where do you
3: fall on this argument Andrew Um oh it's tough because i understand the frustration but i also understand why it's being like running back salaries are going this way. Basically, you could say this is the first position in the NFL that's really been moneyballed. Um, and where a lot of teams view, view running back and they view the attrition and how a running back's performance declines over time as they accumulate touches, as they accumulate wear and tear, and they've made a decision that they're not going to spend above X amount at the position for any player, and so I understand that intellectually. But I, but also given you know, given given the uh, the nature of the job, I I have I have empathy for the running backs that are that are terrific at their position and the elite at that position financially now don't stack up to the elite at other at other positions of comparable importance like wide receiver. So, you know, it's I'm kind of I'm basically kind of torn on that. Like I understand why things are going that way, but I don't necessarily like it. Um I think one other thing that hurts running backs as well is that kind of a little bit like wide receiver, it's not hard to find capable running backs in that and that's a reason why and that's a reason why teams kind of view, view him as relatively disposable assets I mean this kind of started with Mike Shanahan actually back a couple of decades ago when Clinton Portis was astoundingly good in the first two seasons he was with the Broncos but he wanted more money he want, he wanted a, a new contract two years into his rookie deal and the Broncos and Mike Shanahan are like no and and, and with Mike's from Mike's perspective, he'd seen, you know, first Trell Davis as a as a six, as a fifth, sixth round pick, then a Landis Gary, then Mike Anderson, and they'd all been really good running backs for this team. So his thought was, okay, the system and what else is going on means more than the person who is actually getting the carries. And basically, then he flipped Clinton Portis to Washington, a team that was old school in how it viewed running backs for as part of the Champ Bailey deal. So. That's sort of like the the origin point of all this. Probably goes back to Mike Shanahan with Clinton Porters a couple of decades ago.
0: All right, Macy, keep the running back conversation going. Uh, Some video clips yesterday of Russell Wilson and various Broncos joining Coach Prime and guys up in Boulder for a little bit of a workout up there. Javante Williams was there at that workout. Do we have any idea of uh, Javante Williams' availability start training camp. Will he be full speed? How did he look yesterday? You got any mace secrets you can enlighten us, enlighten us with?
3: I mean, I didn't see enough in the video to where I would say I, I could draw anything from where he stands, but I think we saw enough in OTAs and minicamp to draw the conclusion that Javante Williams should at least be doing some, doing some full scale work when training camp begins. Maybe he's not getting all of the first team reps, but that he should be getting a good chunk of them. And then it's a question of building him up. I I would say right now he's trending toward being in the lineup in week one. The question is, is he going to be the bell cow running back in week one? Is he going to be the focal point to where he's getting 70, 80% of the touches from that position or are we talking about more of a 50-50 type of split uh, with Samajé Pirine and them kind of easing Javante Williams into the full number one role? I think that's what we're going to find out when we get to camp.
2: Nice training camp starts next week. Ricky's getting ready to report. Um, I know you saw what Pro Football Focus talked about with Sean Payton being the sixth best coach. Um, you see all these different things that are coming up about the Denver Broncos and people are starting to rank up their ranking. But, Maze, we cover the Broncos every single day. What's the one room that you say, hey, can't be kicker as well? that you say, hey, they better get some help before the season. You would like to see them you know, bolster that room or have a couple additions or maybe one key addition going into training camp where after the six weeks and they get ready to lace it up, if they could get a guy or two in that room, you feel more comfortable or more confident in that position group?
3: Well, I think uh, depending on how Javante Williams looks, running back is where you start there because if – he has any kind of setback early in camp. I think you're then going to have to add somebody to that room to feel assured about what you've got going into the season. And, of course, because of the decline in uh, running back value in terms of how, the, how teams view those players, there is some talent and there's some good players still out there. So I'd say that um, I want to see how... Randy Gregory looks, and also how Frank Clark looks as well. Um, maybe you would consider adding to Edge if you're concerned about Gregory's health, if Frank Clark isn't quite up to speed, and uh, if Nick Benito hasn't uh, taken taken the next steps um, in his development. So I think Edge would be an area to keep an eye on as well. And then cornerback's really interesting because you've got... Riley Moss, you have Damari Mathis coming back, and you have Jaquan McMillan who flashed during uh, during OTAs. I think the Broncos feel good about that number 2 corner spot, but if there are any questions, maybe that's an area where you might look to add somebody. But I don't think that's likely just because of all the young investment. Damari Mathis being a fourth-round pick last year, Riley Moss a third-round pick this year. I think they want to see where those two in particular go, and that they're going to r- ride it out and uh, and watch the development on them and figure, okay, someone's going to emerge there and then one of them ends up being the the, the first cornerback off the bench.
1: Good stuff, Andrew. I know that you are known for your bucket hats and your floral print um, shirts going into training camp. Are you doing some pre-training camp shopping? Are we
3: going to see you in some new fits? Ah. Uh. It's a good question. I might I might be at, I might be buying one shirt today. Okay. Um, okay. And uh yeah, I, I'm actually uh I'm a, I'm actually uh, stalking out a a bucket hat right now waiting for like a, nice. a for a one day sale. It'll, <laughs> you know, it's you know, it'll be just another Atlanta Braves bucket hat like I always have, but you know, I'll, I'll I think I'll have something up.
1: You're an icon, Andrew, and people want to be just like you. So we're looking forward to seeing what you wear. What is Andrew going to wear? I think that's uh, the question on most people's minds going into training camp. <laughs> and number two will be, how does Russell Wilson perform? Thank you, Andrew, for joining My, us. Nice, My nice. pleasure, fellas. Have nice, a great nice. day. There you go. Senior Broncos writer, denversports.com, on the Johnson Auto Plaza hotline. All right. um Eliciting a lot of responses on the Ramoslaw.com. Text line talking about... The running back market and the idea that these really, really good running backs in the NFL are underpaid. They clearly believe they are. But from the text line, we get this. Is your worth not what the market says it is? We'll answer that question next.
0: Denver Sports Station 104.3 The Band presents The Players Club. With Orlando Franklin, Chad Brown, and Nate Jackson.
2: She's simply awesome.
1: You're getting better, O. Yeah, so, yeah, have you been practicing? Um, no, honestly, no, have no. you been practicing? Have you been taking singing lessons? No, I mean, we've just been at work a lot lately, Chad. so we get right. to hear it a lot more. Well, I think it sounds great, and uh, Billy Ocean agrees. This is Billy O. Day 291, reggae week. You played with a 91, a pretty darn good one, didn't you, Chad? You
0: talking about Dennis Rodman? <laughs> uh, he, is he, he the, great, is the greatest Kevin Green was? Is Dennis Rodman the best? Ninety-one in sports. Mmm.
1: I get. I mean, Dennis Rodman was a unique player, man. He, he didn't score. He right. played basketball and he couldn't shoot. Like he, you know, he shoot fifty percent from the free lot throw. What a
2: good ninety-one. Yeah. In multiple sports. Yeah, Fletcher Cox. I mean, that Ali. I didn't even want to play
0: against Fletcher. Sur- Sergey Fedorov. <laughs> yeah. Ooh,
2: yeah. talking about
0: uh, Chris Long. Yeah, you're climbing the Kilimanjaro, right? This, yep, this, this year. Yeah, Justin Tug, three or four years back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nomo, the pitcher.
1: Cordy Upshaw. <laughs>
0: yeah, Cameron, Cameron Wayne Canadian, Canadian League All Star, comes down to the NFL and still rips it up. That's right.
1: Yes, Is he still in the league? No. no. He had a couple good years. A couple good years. Five Pro Bowls. Is that right? Yeah. In the NFL. Mm-hmm. Wow, it's more than a couple. Eric Armstead, Tommy Harris,
0: Wow Chester McLaughlin, rest in peace. Uh, Meta World Peace, wow, not meta 91 is, uh, yeah, yeah, that's a lot of good.
1: Yeah,
0: Ed Oliver in the league right now. Will Smith, rest in peace. Leslie O'Neill, tortured the Broncos.
2: I played against him,
0: wow, bunch
2: of dudes,
1: bunch of dudes, bunch of dudes. Will Smith, yeah. Fresh Prince, man. <laughs> All right, so I do want to keep talking about this running back issue because there's a lot of different angles here. And um, there's some action on the text line, too, kind of throwing out some ideas. Um, someone We're talking about the running backs feeling that they're undervalued and underpaid. And Derek Henry, who's, you know, like you were saying, Chad, the best running back in the league is not making what he thinks he should. They tried to trade him. They don't value him. He believes that he's not valued. Um, Jonathan Taylor sent out a tweet similarly echoing that. And then Austin Eckler put out another tweet. This was all in response to a tweet by Matt Miller, NFL draft scout, saying draft a running back, play the running back. If he's good, franchise franchise tag him one time and then draft a new running back. So you're done with that guy. Um, and then Austin Eckler tweeted, This is the kind of trash that is artificially devalued one of the most important positions in the game. Everyone knows it's tough to win without a top running back and yet they act like we're discardable widgets. I support any running back doing whatever it takes to get his bag. So clearly there's a you know an alliance forming with these running backs where they all realize this is happening. But isn't it a case of what like we talked about, these guys get used up so fast, they're out of the league so quickly that their best football is actually done during that first rookie deal. Yeah. And everybody and, and the whoever's gonna sign him knows that. Mm-hmm. Knows they're on the decline. So why would they pay them? I, I, I
0: get the team side of it. I just think it's the running back position is in a unique position as far as the league goes because of that, because of the longevity, because of the short shelf life, because of the way that they are used. Um, and now at this point, it is clearly the model, as evidenced by this tweet from uh, Matt Miller at NFL Draft Scout. Whatever that is. The league
1: has, yes. Anyone can be an NFL draft scout on Twitter, by the way.
0: Draft a running back, see his value, franchise him one time, and then draft your next running back. And if that's going to be the model, these guys are at an unfair financial situation versus, say, receivers who can play 8 to 12 years. Uh, You know, offensive linemen who can play longer. Linebackers who can play longer. So the devaluization of the position, I understand why the league does what it does. But from a player human perspective, uh, it's because of the way that Derek Henry was what fifty plus percent of the Titans' offense like last year. Fifty percent of the touches, maybe not the yardage uh, total, but the touches. When you have that kind of usage, it should be reflected with the salary that you make.
1: So, so Russell Wilson signed a huge deal last year, and when it kicks in, he's going to be making like fifty million a year, or forty nine, or whatever that is. I believe, and you guys have heard me talk about this a lot, that the quarterback is overvalued and overpaid, especially. One player, by the way, the one guy who can play till he's 45 years old, should not make a quarter of the play of uh, the, of this, um, salary cap when you got all these other guys like running backs, for example, who are done in three years and whose bodies are so broken that they get discarded by the team. So is the exorbitant salaries for the quarterbacks to blame for devaluing the running back?
0: I think that's part of it. There's only so many slices of the salary cap pie that can be given out. And to the Mike Shanahan, you know, I can plug in lots of guys and get a 1,000 yards. That is certainly true. Um And so I understand, again, from the league perspective, from a front-off perspective, why the offers are what they are but you cannot overlook the humanness of the running back position, and we're going to use up this guy and never give him an opportunity to get a second deal really outside of his rookie deal. That's It it just strikes me as unfair uh, on a team sport where this guy plays such a prominent role... His role is so prominent, it gives him such an incredibly short shelf life, and he is not financially rewarded for that. While I see all these other positions making a ton of money,
2: I think it's a part of a couple things, right? You look at the running back position, and you know Andrew Mason brought up a great point back in the day, trading away uh, Clinton Portis for Champ Bailey, right? Where it did, it, this offense just was like, hey, it doesn't matter. Like I've heard stories from guys that have played underneath my father-in-law, and my father-in-law told them, like, no matter who I put back there, he's going for a hundred. Mm-hmm. Like, like I'm hearing these stories, right? So now, and it's happening where you got the TDs, the Landscaries, and you know the Tatum Bell, the Reuben Drones, right? And there are all these different guys that go back there, and it's this hundred-yard rusher after hundred-yard rusher. So you look at that aspect, where you couple that with the fact that. At the running back position, when the body goes, it does go and you get locked into these long contracts and all of a sudden you have a, you're tied to a person that you ne- might not ne- necessarily want on your football team. And now you start looking at other positions in the league where the salary cap has kind of got just out of hand. I told you guys this before. I watched Billy Turner get seven and a half million dollars leaving the Broncos. I started stretching my living room because <laughs> this is going into year two of my retirement. I was like, if he's getting seven and a half, Wow, what would they give me right now? Like, I can still play this game, right? So, you start seeing the salary cap just go outrageous for some of these other positions and you look at a running back room where typically you don't pay more than one guy in a room it's it's one guy's paid and then everybody else are kind of on rookie deals or a vet minimum deal and you're able to still get by where teams are just saying the heck with this we can't tell how we approach the game of football now as well training camp is completely different running backs really can't be battle tested until preseason games until the regular season where now you got GMs are saying, I'm not touching that guy with a 10-foot pole. I'm not willing to give that person that amount of money. But the good thing about this whole entire situation is watch what Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't do with a, a, a reliable running back like Josh Jacobs, mm-hmm. right? Um, now you start looking at um, Saquon Barkley. Barkley. He's that whole entire offense. Like, if I'm Daniel Jones, I'm saying, hey, where's your offer at? What are you trying to be at? And can I, you know, help supplement your income? Like, I'll give you a couple dollars a, a year, you know, and give you some of my money in forfeit because he means that much to that offense. Daniel Jones will struggle this year with not having Saquon Barkley in that backfield. So you start looking at all these things, and it's not fair I- at all, but I think it's a combination of things as far as why we've got here today when you look at the running back position.
1: That's why I think, guys, the model that I've introduced earlier in the week, or maybe it was last week that you guys laughed at, everyone makes the same base salary, and then there's performance-based bonuses. Everyone makes $4 million a year. Mm-hmm. And then based on snap counts and performance statistics or whatever, you get more money. So if you ball out, you get more money. Wouldn't everybody be living pretty well if everyone made $4 million a year plus bonuses? Yeah because everyone's people, working just as hard, but at some
0: you. people want thirty million dollars a
1: year, want fifty they do. million dollars I They're not signing
0: enough for that, and that, and that, Edge
2: rushers are not signing yeah. up for that either. Some of these guys,
1: and then they're running, and then but then your brothers are unhappy and undervalued and kicked to the curb and go broke and die young. You want that? <laughs> man, you know how that young. thing
2: is <laughs> in that locker room. It's every man for herself, right? And don't speak on my money. Whatever I'm doing, don't watch what I'm doing. I
1: know. Right? Man. I
2: mean, it's the hierarchy it's a is pretty.
1: Pretty extreme. Am I my brother's Mm.
0: keeper? No.
1: (laughs) It is a a trippy job where we all go and do the same thing every day at work. One guy is on practice squad and one guy's making 50 million a year. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, um, nothing is perfect, but this game is great. We're looking forward to getting this training camp going next week. That's it for us on the Players Club Fun Show, guys. Stick around. Shh. Dokley and Zach, they're next.